close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we kick things off this week, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder, as always, to our listeners to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. It's all Ireland final week for the Cork ladies, so this week's podcast will be dedicated to previewing their bid to dethrone the dominant Dublin ladies who are aiming to secure their fourth title in succession. In a few minutes, we'll be joined by Mayo legend Cora Staunton to preview the big game. Cora, who herself won four All-Ireland titles as a player, is currently in Australia preparing for a new season of the AFLW competition for the Greater Western Sydney Giants. We'll also hear from Jer McCarthy, who will give us his thoughts and predictions for the game. But Kieran, we're going to start with Kira O'Sullivan, who you had a chance to catch up with earlier in the week. Yeah, Kira was in great form. Jack um, had a had a good chat with her, and it's it's two O'Sullivan sisters in a row on the Star Sport podcast feed. Darren O'Sullivan, Cork captain, on last week's podcast, and Kira this weekend. Kira's probably she is the most experienced Cork player on the panel at the moment. She's eight All Ireland medals to her name, which is an incredible haul, and she's still going strong. And she's a she has that experience, Jack, which is so vital because it's it's a very young Cork team. When you think about the team that she came onto under Eamon Ryan all those years ago, and that was the team that dominated ladies football. And when Eamon Ryan stepped away and Ethan Fitzgerald came in in, in 2016. The Cork Ladies football over, I suppose they underwent a transition over a couple of years. But the likes of Kira, Orla, Orla Finn, Martin O'Brien, they've been the kind of the link between the present and, and the past. So Kira's experience this Sunday will be vital. She's a she's a player well used to the big occasion. She's won it all with with Club and County, and still one of the best forwards in the game. And and as you'll hear from my chat now, an interesting angle for Sunday's final is that Dublin star Noel Healy spent nine months with Moran Abbey in 2019. Noel was a, a an anaesthetist in in, um, in in CUH, and with Moran Abbey she won everything as well. So Noel Healy knows the Cork Moran Abbey players very well, but that works both ways. So Kira and all the Moran Abbey girls know Noel Healy very well. So that was one of the interesting angles that we caught up to talk about, Jack. Delighted to be joined in the podcast this week by Kira O'Sullivan, uh, an eight-time All-Ireland winner. When I was just checking that up, Kira, that you've eight All-Ireland titles to your, to, your na- to your name already, I was just kind of wondering, what's your motivation to keep coming back year after year after year? Because you've won it all, you've seen it all, you have the T-shirts, but yet you still come back year after year. Yeah, I suppose the, the main thing is enjoyment. Like football has been such a big part of my life for so many years now when I play it because I enjoy it. And um, most of my best friends are involved in, in football as well. So it's massively to do with the enjoyment and then obviously playing at inter-county level, the competitive nature. And I suppose anyone who is playing at inter-county level is naturally competitive. And I think you get that kind of um, competition and more so at inter-county level than you probably do at club or any other level. So um, I suppose the enjoyment and the the competition are the two things that keep me coming back. And I suppose this year, um, 
the two of those have been to the forefront um, in a very, very strange year. It's probably one of the years that I'm enjoying football the most. And then obviously um, the competition for places, which has been widely publicised on our team and panel, um, kind of keeps you on your toes and, and keeps motivating, motivating you. So they're the two factors for me. Like you said there, Kira, it's been such a strange year. But you also said there you're enjoying football um, so much this season, more more than maybe in past seasons. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I suppose um, we've been very fortunate with, with Morn Abbey, with our club, to be playing football up until November, December, the last um, six years, I suppose. So, um, you know, we did always get January and February off then when you come back with Cork, um, which was a nice break. But we never really had a full-on break because I suppose... Cork was still going on and you were conscious of doing your gym program and, and the rest of it. So this year kind of has afforded us a complete break, um, I suppose, in a time when there was a lockdown and we thought maybe there'd be no football. Um, it was nice just to totally switch off from football. And I suppose it was something that I kind of didn't realise that maybe um, I needed until it happened. But it meant when I came back then and when there was matches and training, um, back when we did come back a few months ago, it, it just made, made it kind of, more more enjoyable and you appreciate it that bit more because it had been gone for a while and I think that break um just coming from club to county for the last few years I think that break was um was very welcome and you certainly hit the ground running with Cork um in this year's championship and just to go back to the journey so far to get to the, the final this Sunday against Dublin it started off with a win against Kerry down in Chile that that was a tough day at the office but you got the result in the end yeah, it was a tough day in the office. And I suppose it, it wasn't surprising that it was a tough day in the office because um, you're coming in on the back of, I suppose, no well, league that was in March, you know, and not really reflective anymore of, of where people were at and, you know, weren't able to have challenge games. We had one challenge game all year, which ironically was against Dublin. But um, I suppose it was kind of hard to know where we were going to be at, where Kerry were going to be at. And it definitely took us a while to get to the, the pace of the game, um, I suppose, we, we were in trouble on our own kickouts and we were under massive pressure on their kickouts. Um, and that's something we learned from going into the Cavan game. But I suppose what we would have been really happy with in the Kerry game was the nature of the win in that we grounded out. Um, you know, there was a few questions asked at half time. Did we really want it? Did Kerry want it more than us? And I think we answered those in the second half. So that was something we were very happy with. And it was noticeable too, the improvement in got on to the next game against Kevin, but 7-9 to 2-6. So... You were like, with each game, have you seen that that that, that improvement, Kira? Definitely, and I, I think you have to be seeing that improvement. Um, to be fair to our management team, I think, you know, after every match, they kind of pick one or two things that we need to improve on because obviously there's probably a lot more than one or two, but you, you can't, I suppose, get all that done in the space of two weeks or whatever it is between between games so they've kind of been focusing on the key things and we've been working on those in training and in the AVB matches and I think we have noticed um, the improvement from the Kerry to the Cavan game and then on again to the Galway game um, the the weekend before last. Like you took it up another level against Galway obviously there was all the off-field stuff but almost lost in the middle of that was the fact that Cork won a game beat a good Galway team by 10 points you put up 217 in Croke Park so how would you rate for a year right now hitting into Sunday's final? Um, I suppose we, we'd be happy with where we are in terms of, you know, you, you can't really complain coming on in on the back of a, a comprehensive semi-final win like that. And I suppose more so than the scoreline, we were happy with how we played and that we did what, what management had asked us to do. 
And I think, you know, we, we missed chances. We, there were still loads and loads of mistakes, but I think our work rate was the, the thing we were going to be, we were happiest with. And it was the thing that management asked us to give um, the most, I suppose. And no doubt that's what's going to be needed most going into the final as well. But I, I do think we're, we're in a good position. Um, you know, thankfully we came out of that um, match injury free um, and we've, you know, two weeks of hard training in between that and the final um, where there's still places up for grabs. So I think you can't really complain. Um, we're, we're in an ideal situation with two weeks in between a semi-final and final as well, I think is a, a nice run into it. Your sister Dern was on the podcast last week and she described the competition for places as vicious in, in, in the Cork setup at the moment. And I think that's a very apt description. And we're concentrating on the forwards for a second. Um, it is like yourself and Orla Finn are the two most experienced there. But even Dern was saying nobody can take their place for granted in the Cork team at the moment. Definitely not. I think if you look at our bench, like you can see that straight away. Um, I suppose, you know, you've Libby Coppinger who came in um, to the year on the back of probably her best year ever with um, with West Cork. And unfortunately, we were at the receiving end of that. But um, like, I suppose, you know, you see her on the bench and you're you're thinking you have to do everything just to, to keep your position. And obviously, Libby suffered uh, an ankle injury that kept her out for a good bit. But um, thankfully, coming back at the right time, you've Orla Farmer, like Derek Kiley came on. Um, yeah, there's just so many, and that's only the forwards I'm mentioning. Um, so nobody's taking anything for granted. I think um, you know, one bad game or half a game, and and you're off. Um, and I suppose that's what is driving us all on. Um, and I think vicious is a, a very apt word for for what it is at the moment. When we're looking at the three court games so far, I think you got ten goals in the three games. I know there was seven of those came against Kevin, but you you scored against Galway. Melissa Duggan got, got a goal on Terry. Got a couple of goals against uh, Kevin Searsha's scored Searsha Noonan um, or Finn. So there's a goal trade all over. How important is that against against Dublin? Because let's say we look back at last year's game. I think Dublin won that semi final against Cork two eleven to eleven points. Um, go back to the to the our final the year before Dublin outscored Cork goal wise again. And I'm looking at Cork mm. looking at Dublin again against Armagh in their recent semi final. They scored three goals. So goals are so crucial, and they'll be crucial again on Sunday. So. This Cork team does carry a big goal threat. Yeah, I think, like, I know it's a, a cliche, but goals win matches. And I suppose it is something at training we've been working on that if, you know, if we have an overlap, if we've one extra player, that we're going for a goal. And in that case, it's kind of a worst case scenario that you get a point then. And obviously, there's times when people have crowded defences and a point is a great score. But we have been focusing on if, if there is an option for a goal that we go for that first. And I think we've been seeing the the results of that over the the last few matches. And on the other side of that, then I suppose we'd be very happy with going from the Galway game that we didn't concede a goal because we have been conceding goals, I suppose, over the last two or three years and earlier on in the year. So um, it is something we've been focusing on. And I suppose it's going to be key if we are to beat Dublin that we we tighten up at the back as well because they are known for for getting goals, I suppose, and and did so again against um, Armagh in their semi-final. So while while we need to take opportunities um, up front, we also need to to try and snuff out any chance they have of getting goals. I think a big addition to the Cork defence is the return of Roisin Fielding this year coming in at full-back, and that's had a knock-on effect in. They're freeing up Hennelooney to go into midfield with Mauro Callaghan. So Roisin's return, that was a big plus, obviously, this year. Massive, I suppose. Um, you kind of forget that Roisin, I think, is only maybe 25 as well um, and has so much experience. Um, and I suppose we did miss her last year, that experience and that kind of presence um, in in the full back line. Um, so I suppose 
it's great to have Roisin back. And as you said, it also frees up Hannah, who I suppose, you know, there was no like official player of the match um, at the weekend against Galway, but she would have definitely been in the in the running for it. Um, an absolutely super game. And her and Maura have such a good partnership in the middle of the field. Um, and I suppose that's a place we're really going to need to to go after in the final because, you know, the likes of Lauren McGee, um, there with Dublin, um, probably one of their best players and one of their biggest workhorses. So um, they're going to be under pressure midfield, but I've no doubt that the, the girls can do it because they're coming in on the back of three good performances there. There's one Dublin footballer that you probably know better than most, Noel Healy. She had such a great season with Morna Abbey back in 2019. You, um, you won everything there was to win with Noel. Is there any, any, um, any text messages, any WhatsApps um, kind of zipping back between you at the moment? Yeah, ironically, Noel's 30th was the day before we played Galway. So I'd sent her a carriage during the week and um, it was before we played Galway. So the, there was kind of two sections to it. One of them was Gal- our birthday message if we lose to, to Galway. And it was like, best of luck in the final. We'll be shouting for you, etc. And then birthday message if we beat Galway. Um, it was like, <laughs> it was like go out, enjoy it. There's more to life than football. And I got her a voucher and told her it was only redeemable on the 20th of December. So we have had a bit of crack about it all right. Um, but I suppose even, you know, last year when they beat us in the semi-final, we would have been playing with Noel with club at the time. So it, it's not new to us, I suppose. Um, and I suppose we've massive respect for Dublin, not just Noel, for all Dublin players. And I, I'd like to think they do for us as well. So, you know, whatever happens on the pitch will happen on the pitch and then we'll all still be friends and there'll be a bit of banter after, no doubt. Like this is a very good Dublin team, and it goes that, that goes without saying they're going closing in on the four in a row. It's a very simple question here, Kira. But what do Cork need to do on Sunday to get the better of this Dublin team? You mentioned work rate earlier, and that was that was hugely obvious in the in the game against Galway. Do you need to bring that and more? Yeah, I think we definitely do. Like we we were happy with um, our work rate at the weekend, but like you still watch it back, and there's there's still loads of room for improvement. And I think we're going to have to, like, you're going to play the three-time All-Ireland champion, so we're going to have to bring more work rate than than they do and more drive and determination, I suppose. Um, and I think there'll be very little in this game, so it's about being patient and, and looking to grind out a win. It's not going to be, I would imagine, any fancy football or any cricket scores. I think there's going to be very little in it. So it is going to be about work rate. And I mentioned earlier about the the tightening up in that we aim to not concede a goal and I suppose that starts right from our full forward line and stopping them coming out fast because they do like to break fast so I think we're going to have to track the runners and work really really hard particularly in the forward line so that the the backs aren't under pressure with Dublin being able to kick easy ball in. With a very small silver line into the whole kind of venue to battle that went down in the semi-final against Galway, be the fact that Cork got to play in Croke Park. And I'm thinking the likes of a young player like Erica O'Shea, who's new on the panel, that she's now been in the dressing rooms there. She's been out in the pitch there. Kind of, do you think that, that can hopefully, kind of, it, it'll stand to young players? Like, obviously, someone like you, you're so experienced and you play there countless times. But for some of the younger members of the Cork team, to get another game in, on, on that Croke Park surface under their belt will stand to them. Massively, because I think way more so in ladies' football than men's football, um, it's a really, really big deal to play in Crow Park because more often than that, more often than not, it's once a year if you're lucky in a final. Now, I know last year the semi-finals were in Crow Park, and ironically this year um, it was as well with the drama. But it is a really, really big deal to play in Crow Park, and even 
um, for those of us who've been there for a few years, it still is um, a big deal and something you get really nervous about. So it's great to have that under our belt. And as you said, particularly for the likes of Erica O'Shea, who kind of just got thrown in it and didn't have time to to think about it and, you know, deal with the, the build up of it. I think that will stand her immeasurably. Um, now, everything that's been thrown at her this year, she's taken to it. Um, no problem. So I've no doubt the final will be the same, but um, it definitely is something that in hindsight, you know, we're, we're quite happy with, I suppose. Brilliant. Kira. thank you so much for joining us and the very best of luck on Sunday. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West Cork. Mayo legend Cora Staunton knows a thing or two about winning All-Irelands, having won four during her own illustrious career. Now based in Australia, Cora joined Kieran to preview Sunday's big game and she also gave us her big match prediction. And Kieran, we reckon this may be the first guest we've had on from Australia. We did have a guest from New Zealand before, but this is our first from us. We've had one from New Zealand, I think, with Lydia Heafy from Italy during the year as well. But this is definitely our first from us. And what, what it's GA royalty, Jack. Um, Cora Staunton is a, is a legend of, of ladies football and it was absolutely brilliant to get her on the podcast this week to look ahead to Sunday's game. And an in, interesting angle, too, was that um, Breed Stack has gone over to, to, to join um, the AFL, and she's with, with Sydney as well, the same team as Cora. And when I was chatting to Cora on Saturday, um, Cora's in quarantine for 14 days because she, she just flew over. And just a couple of doors down in the hotel she's staying in is Breed Stack and her husband, Cora, came from Lucistown and their, their, their little boy, Cora Gold. So there was a there was a West Cork link to this hotel in Perth on Saturday. So um, absolutely brilliant to catch up with Cora. Like, who knows football better than Cora Staunton? Like, I think she's an 11-time All-Star, which is incredible. And as you'll hear now, her analysis and thoughts on the game is absolutely brilliant. She knows both teams inside out. She's played against both teams. So who better to break down the big match than Cora Staunton? In the 100-odd episodes of the Southern Star podcast, this is the first time that we're coming all the way from Australia. We're delighted to be joined by, by ladies football legend and Mayo great Cora Staunton to look ahead to Sunday's final. Um, Cora, you're just back in Australia for, for your next stint with the, in, in, in Sydney and you're joined by a Cork woman this time, Breed Stack has, Breed Stack has, has made the, the transfer to Australia as well. Yeah, so yeah, just in a day two of hotel quarantine here in Perth, so... Um, another 12 days to go so just getting used to uh, sitting in a room and not having much space but um, yeah Breed has certainly joined us this year yeah so looking forward to um, obviously getting out in the pitch and, and getting to play with her rather than um, normally um, having to play against her so yeah the, the trip to Australia was good and both myself and, and Breed and her, and her husband and child are, are settled in, in quarantine at this stage. How do you pass the 14 days in quarantine? Like you said, you're in your hotel room right now and I think you're getting out Christmas Day. So what's the plan for the next 12, 10, 11, 12 days? Yeah, so obviously yesterday we only got in kind of um, yesterday afternoon, um, yesterday evening kind of part time. So that was fine. Um, probably today and um, tomorrow you're probably still trying to get over a bit of jet lag and acclimatise to the to the time. Um, so we're, we're on um, just after 8pm 8, 8 here part time. So um our days are, yeah, it's, it's pr- quite hard to fill them. Um, probably a lot of exercise. We're lucky we've um, some exercise equipment in the room that um, the AFL have given us. So we've an exercise bike and we've, we've some weights and stuff. So uh, the club gives us programs to do um, probably 12 out of the 14 days. So we'll do 
a bike session, if not two a day, and probably uh, uh, two weight sessions a day. So that past the time, you just try and do them as slowly as possible. Obviously, the weight session, just leave time in between them. And after that, then it's just, yeah, um, I'm not a, a very good watcher of TV. So, yeah, I, I tend to just read a bit, um, you know, do some crosswords and um, do a couple of different bits online. Um, it's probably a good time as well, which there's a lot of sport on TV back at home. So I'll catch up on some of that as well. Like we said there, Breed Stack has, has made the, the trip down and she's joining you with Sydney as well. Are you surprised it's taken this long for, for a Cork footballer to kind of switch to the AFL? Yeah, probably, obviously, um, because of um, all they won. I suppose it was 2017, obviously, I, I went down myself, so it was the, the first person to go down. But, yeah, um, you know, I suppose Cork, Dublin had won that All-Ireland, but, you know, Cork had been in, what was it, 10 or 11 All-Irelands previous to that um, and, and won 10 out of the 11, so... Yeah, I'm surprised whether there was more approached or not. I, I'd be, um, I'd be very surprised if there was an approach. Whether they, you know, they took up the opportunity. It's not for everyone. Um, you know, some people obviously, um, you know, can be in college or at the start of their career, and you know, just you know, can't commit to coming over because you know it is a huge commitment to come over for six months. And if you're in the middle of a career and give up your job, it's, you know, it's quite different for for me and obviously for the other girls that are here. So. Yeah, um, you know, I, I'm sure there has. I, I've, I've heard um, strong rumours of a few that have been approached and, you know, for different reasons have turned it down. And, and you know, maybe in the future um, we'll have a few more Cork girls out there. Like you mentioned, Breed was on that, that great Cork team that won so many All-Irelands, um, so many good players on that team. So from coming up against an opposition, you're now in the same team. So that's an interesting di- dynamic there. You'll have to take her under your wing below. Yeah, she, she's she's flying already. Um, she she won't need much help. Um, you know, she's been doing a lot of work here back um, in Ireland before she came over with um, AFL um, Ireland. There's a guy there, Mike Cran, that has helped her. Um, so she's been doing skill sessions since, I think, August. So that'll be a huge advantage to her. Um, you know, and on the other side, the, the biggest disadvantage is that, you know, obviously the way things are over here in COVID, it was quite hard to get over. So, you know, by the time we get training with the team and out of quarantine, we'll probably have missed the guts of two or more months of, of pre-season. And I, th- I think we'll only have um, a couple of weeks to prepare for round one. So um, that'll be, you know, somewhat of a disadvantage for, for both me and Breed, probably Breed more than me, because, you know, obviously I know the game at this stage. Um, but yeah, she'll have no bother. She, she'll settle in. Um, you know, she's a an out-and-out um, athlete and, you know, um, the way she, she plays Gaelic football will be the exact way she, she'll play AFL. AFL. She, she's attacks everything that, um, you know, every challenge that's put towards her. And I, I have absolutely no doubt that she'll rise to the challenge and that she's going to be a great asset to us this year. Well, don't yourself and Breed and everyone else will be glued to the, to, to the final this Sunday coming up. And I suppose, like we mentioned there, Breed was on that very dominant Cork team. But since then, Dublin have taken over. They're in their seventh final in a row. They're going for four in a row. And... They've been so dominant the last couple of years. Do you think it'll be good for the game to get a different name on the cup? Like, obviously, if it's if, if it's this year, it'll be Cork. But even going forward next year, a Mayo, a Galway, an Armagh. Because we've seen the dominance of the men's game of Dublin. I'm not sure, can you draw correlations between the two? But Dublin are obviously dominating the men's game. And we have a Dublin team now going for four in a row in the women's game. Do you think it'd be good just to see a different name on the cup this Sunday? Yeah, well, well, I think anyone outside of um, Dublin would obviously love to see that domin- dominance broken. It, it's like the, the dominance of Cork, you know, when I was playing myself, everyone, you know, where the people in Cork wanted to see the dominance broken. Um, so, yeah, it, it obviously, from, from the neutral point of view, it would be lovely to see um, Cork win and have, have a new new name on the cup. But, um, you know, the Dublin team don't think like that. And, you know, 
I think they've learned from their defeats in the past to Cork and they've seen what Cork have achieved um, in the in the decade before them. So, yeah, they're very hungry and they're going to drive on, you know, like, like their men's counterparts. They don't care if they're, if they're going for four in a row, five in a row. It, it's another old Ireland to them. And, you know, there's always new members of the squad. I know myself from our own club every year you go in and people say, you know, you must be sick of winning county titles or whatnot. But there's always new, new fresh faces into the squad and, um, they're always challenging and driving the girls that maybe have been there for some time. So, um, yeah, the Dublin girls won't look at what number it is in a row and, and, and we'll just just approach it as another final. And I suppose if we're looking at the two teams as well, Dublin have the more experienced players. If we're looking at Cork, I suppose, Kiro Sullivan, Orla Finn, Martin O'Brien, they're probably some of the players going back to the successful Cork teams five, six, seven years ago. So this is very much a new Cork team with a lot of younger players there. Do you think that will help them on Sunday? Kind of the fact that they're that they're that they haven't been used to losing against Dublin in in um, in a lot of big games. That there's the likes of Eric O'Shea, and Melissa Dublin, and, and these young players that can try and drive on. Yeah, I do certainly think it helps. Um, I, I think you know, I remember the early parts of my career. I think when you're young, you you, you don't really hold much fear, and you, you don't really hold many nerves. You know, you just go out. Yeah, it's Crow Park. It obviously be different this year with COVID and, and no fans and and all of that. But I I think younger players just go out and play with play with no fear and express themselves so sometimes when you get a bit older and um there's probably a little bit more pressure on you to perform and, and do well and um you know in the likes of Kira and Martinez cases you know they've been doing that brilliantly um and, and Orla as well um right throughout their career and it's the same in the case of Dublin there's probably a lot more pressure on them because they're expected to win they're going for four in a row and um you know they, they know there's a lot of pressure on them so yeah I do think that'll be um somewhat an advantage to Cork that they have the younger girls that, you know, I was lucky enough to see them in, in Crow Park um, for their semi-final. And that's what you could see. Um, they just um, played with a, um, just pure abandonment and just went forward. And, you know, whether it was Melissa Duggan for her first goal or Erica O'Shea, they were just keeping keep constantly on attacking and believing in themselves. So, yeah, I do think it can be an advantage to them and, and one I'm sure Efi will be looking to, um, to use. That's one of the buzzwords in the car camp this year has been work great. And against Galway in the semi-final, and Kira Sullivan has telling us in this podcast too, it was the, the Cork work great, but they were happiest with after. They thought they put in a really kind of fierce, savage performance. But would they need to up that again in terms of intensity for what they're going to face against Dublin on Sunday? Yeah, um, and I think that's the biggest word is intensity. I think Dublin bring intensity and probably physicality. And Dublin bring a different level of aggression um, to any team um, that they play against. Um, I, I think at stages Armagh could match that because they're quite a physically strong team. But I don't think Cork, um, with no disrespect to, to their opposition that they've played in, in, in Galway in, in the semi-final um, and in Kerry um, as well, um, I, I don't think none of them can bring the same physicality or intensity, I suppose, that Mick Bowen has brought to this Dublin team. I think that's, you know, Dublin sometimes obviously play on the edge with their tackling and that and, I think you could see that, especially in their first game against Donegal. Um, you know, at times, you know, you probably look there was some of the tackles were on the edge, but the, you know, they know when to foul and and, and they cover that backline very well, and, and they, they don't like to concede too much. So, yeah, it, it's certainly going to be a step up for for Cork in in, in what they've um, they've got in in their last three matches. Would would obviously Galway and, and Kerry, and you know, not to bring, forget the Cavan match, but obviously the Cavan match was you know, somewhat um, over after, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. But yeah, D- Dublin bring a huge level of um, intensity, 
um, aggression. Um, you know, there's it's it's very much based on, on the men's game that you know they they do not let teams out and, and they like to turn over the ball and hunt and pack. So, yeah, I, I think um, Cork um, will need to be ready for it. Um, I think that the players that will be um, ready for it and you know to have the speed and, and pace, especially across the half back line, to, to to try and break them tackles. You know, I think they're going to have to play at a quite um, high intensity and, and a high pace. Um, they cannot be brought down to a slow game because Dublin are physically stronger than, than Cork in many areas. You mentioned there the physicality of the Dublin team, and that's something Ify Fitzgerald has mentioned as well. I suppose he's felt in the last couple of years, Cork weren't ready kind of physically to cope with that physicality that Dublin have. He feels they're in a better place now, but when you're coming up against a team core that's physically stronger than you, how, how do you kind of negotiate that? How do you get around that? Yeah, well, I, I suppose the biggest thing, if you, if you if you know a team are physically stronger than you, there's, there's probably two things that you can do, um, and and that's work the ball at speed. Um, you cannot afford to bring the ball into a tackle, um, so it's having runners off your shoulder all the time. So it's it's a whole give and go ball game, whether it's get, getting um, getting quick um, ball into into a full forward line or driving off the half back line, and someone's always coming off your shoulder. You cannot let girls, um, you know, you can't let you can let Melissa Duggan attack up the field at pace, and she's massive pace, but she always needs an option coming off her shoulder. So it's, sometimes it's it's to be brave and, and courageous as well that that you trust, you know, your maybe your full back line that that if that half back line goes and it breaks down, well, the likes of you know Roisin Feeling and um, Girls back there like Ian Ramini and Shauna Kelly can deal with that. Um, so it's it's to you know not sit back. Um, you know to to attack the game. So if girls are attacking the game, that they're attacking it at speed. You're breaking the game line and you're not bringing that ball into a tackle. And there's always someone there to support them. So yeah, I'm I'm sure Efi has looked at that because you know I know when we played uh, Dublin in 2017, you know there was massive. Um, um, intensity in the tackling and, and you know quite aggressive tackling and at times we weren't ready for it we were being swarmed and, and then they caught us on the counter so it's it's to break that game line and, and I do think that's an area where um, Cork have they have massive speed across many lines and you know I, I think if um, if they work on that and do that the next day it, it will uh, trouble Dublin um, There's so much about the Cork forward line because it's packed with firepower the Orla Finns Arna Terry O'Sullivan Saoirse Noonan Kira Dirren um, there's Libby Coppinger to come off the bench. There's a goal threat there. There's there's it's it's, it's a fierce attacking um, forward unit. But defensively, could it be a lot more important for Cork because this Dublin team scores an awful lot of goals, Cora. And um, I suppose if you look at like you mentioned there, the Cork half back line of Ashton Hutchins, Melissa Duggan, and Eric O'Shea were very good against against Galway and Cork of Roisin feeling back. But Cork really have to limit or keep a very tight rein on that Dublin attack this this Sunday because. Dublin could easily get two, three, four goals. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, this year I've, I've probably watched Dublin in their three games to date. Um, and at times against Donegal um, and against Waterford and, and obviously Armagh, um, their their own forward line, while they were having some very good individual performances, whether it's coming from, you know, Carla Rowe the last day, um, Lindsay Davey has been very consistent over the three games. Um, Sinead Hearn has been in and out. Noel Healy... They haven't collectively been playing very well. Individually, they've had some very standout performances in each match. But as a group, um, like they have in the past, they haven't collectively been clicking. Um, and yeah, while they normally have, you know, or have huge fire, firepower of getting goals, it's probably been one year. I think they've scored six goals to date, or five goals actually to date, and they've conceded six. 
Um, you know, where Cork have been uh, scoring goals a lot more freelier than them. You know, obviously opposition um, um, obviously tells different. You know, obviously with Cavan where they got a lot of goals. So I think if if the Dublin forward line aren't clicking and, you know, playing very individually based like they have been, and that will work in, in, into Cork's advantage. Um, you know, matchups are obviously going to be of huge importance. But in, in that regard, I think obviously your midfield and, and your half forwards, you know, can can play a vital role and it's sometimes a very unselfish role and whether it's, you know, Hannah Looney um, not attacking as much as she, she has and, and let Marie O'Callaghan attack and whether it's one of her, your, your half forward line, you know, dropping back and, you know, Cork don't need to play with six forwards, you know, they have enough talent up there if they play with four um, and whether, you know, whoever, whoever that is that, you know, at times we've seen it with Cork before that, you know, Anya Terry has gone back. Um, you know, I don't know, really know the, the young Kylie girl very well, but it's, it's someone like that that, you know, just tracks up and down the pitches, tracks runs and plays a very unselfish role. Mightn't touch the ball very often, mightn't score, but, you know, is doing something for the team. So it's that kind of midfield half forward line unit that drops back and, and protects their defence when the likes of um, Melissa Duggan and... Um, Eric O'Shea or Shauna Kelly or Emer Meany, their, their backs are quite attack-minded. They like to go forward. So it's the likes of them that drop back when, when they see a Melissa Duggan come forward. We don't want to stop her attacking. Um, we, they want her to do that. So they're selfishly just might drop back and, and, and take a role back there. So, yeah, you know, I, I, it's, it's a year that I, I certainly think that Cork can win, you know, because that, that Dublin and forward line, when they're on fire and, and there's some very big names, if they all click on the same day, they're very hard to stop. I just think over the last few few games, bar Lindsay Davey, um, I think she's been very, very consistent in the three games and has been Dublin's best forward, if not best player this year. The other three have, or the other couple of forwards, and Carla Roche, Sinead Hearn, who's obviously under an injury cloud, um, Noel Healy, um, have have had patchy um, years and, and obviously with girls didn't like Neve McAvoy who didn't start the last day Nicole Owens came on she's only coming back from an injury Sarah McCaffrey you know at times can be can be very good and, and you know was taken off the last day so I think that can work in Cork's favour um, if they're all not um, clicking and, and, and playing quite individual Given too, I suppose, the, uh, kind of the fallout from the Cork Order semi-final and all the off-the-field stuff that went on then, and obviously that's something that really needs to be addressed and hopefully it will be. But is this a chance on Sunday to put football, ladies' football, back in the limelight like, for all the right reasons? You know, like it's the potential to be a very good game here and hopefully when we get the national papers on, on, on Monday morning, we'll have pictures of, of the, the Cork captain holding the cup or maybe the Dublin captain. But it'd be great to put ladies' football as a talking point for all the right reasons now. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think it's really important that we have a very good final. Um, you know, please God, the weather will be good because, you know, the weather can obviously this time of year, um, we're not used to the December final. And, you know, I know from playing club football in December, it, c- it can be very, um, it can be very changeable. It can be very hit and miss. So, you know, if we have a dry day, that's probably the best that we can hope for. Um, and yeah, I really do think after and everything that's gone on with ladies football in, in the last number of weeks that we need we need a lot of positive um, feedback and energy coming um, from the All-Ireland final. So, you know, obviously last year's All-Ireland final didn't probably live up to what we would expect it to be with Dublin and Cork. And, you know, again, I was at that last year, the, you know, the weather was horrendous that day, so it was very difficult. So, yeah, I, I think that we're due um, a, a very good All-Ireland final and I do think that ladies' football needed after after the the last few weeks. 
You mentioned you were in Cork Park for the semi-final, uh, the Cork and Galway semi-final, and I'm looking for any advantage I can get for this Cork team. But the fact it's going to be an empty Cork Park on Sunday, um, that means like if it was a normal final, you could have had 30,000 Dublin fans there. But now it's it's an empty stadium. It's the same. It's a, it's a level playing field for both. Could that again help Cork in, in a small way that you don't have 30,000 Dublin fans worn on the dubs? Yeah, I, in this particular case, yeah, I certainly do think it can help them because... Um, You'd imagine that the Dublin girls have been there before and have been in a, in a lot of finals, as we said, in their seventh final and going for four. So, you know, All-Ireland final day, and you know, as I said, we played against the Dubs in 2017. And, you know, while the Mayo support are brilliant, there was a lot of Dublin support there as well. So, you know, they're obviously used to that energy on All-Ireland final day. As we said, there's not many girls in the Cork team that has been in too many All-Ireland finals and played in them or, you know, won them. You know, there is still still a few, but not as many as, that, you know, the whole, possibly the, the whole Dublin team have. So with an empty stadium and, you know, Cork um, not used to probably as many followers as Dublin, I do think it can help, especially the younger girls in the team. Um, you know, if they make a mistake, there is the crowd isn't getting on their back. And there's, again, there's that pressure factor. There's no none of that pressure on them, um, you know, and when things aren't going right, Dublin get a goal and, um you know, I, I do think that can help. And, and again, I think that, you know, when Dublin um, are, are going well and that energy from the crowd won't be there or if, you know, Cork are going well and, and Dublin need, you know, extra motivation or a bit of support or a bit of energy, the crowd isn't there. So I, I do think in particular for this final, it, it, it has a, a quite a, an advantage for a Cork um, because of the way that Dublin have been in finals for, for the last seven years and, Majority of the girls have won all Ireland's. Where Cork is a relatively new team um, with some experience, so I do think for the, for the likes of the younger girls in the Cork team, it will be an advantage. Before I let you go, Cork, I'm going to ask you for a prediction. I know Breed Stack is in a hotel room, a couple of a couple of rooms down, so she probably won't hear this. But if I if I had to push you for Sunday, Cork or Dublin? Yeah, I I do think that, you know it'll be it'll be very close. I think it'll be probably. Um, one of our closer All Irelands, um, you know. Obviously, Dublin have to be raging hot favourites um, going in. Um, you know, they've been uh, going for four in a row. As I said, they've been in seven finals. They've been unlucky in in the other three finals against Cork. Um, I do probably think Dublin's experience will will get them over the line. But I, I do think a lot will hinge on whether Sinead Hearn um, plays for Dublin or not. I don't know. I've read obviously this week that she, you know, she said she's back in and training and. She's feeling good, but you know, hamstring injuries. If you come off with a hamstring injury, it's, it'll be three weeks um, since the injury. That's that's quite a tight time. She can be very pivotal um, in the leadership since in that forward line and in that team. If she's not playing, I give Cork a huge chance. Um, if Sinead plays, I do think that I can see Dublin winning by two or three points. But um, it, it it's going to be a very very tight game. So, yeah, hesitantly, I'd probably give it to Dublin by um, a couple of points if, if Sinead Ahern plays. For obvious reasons, we're hoping it's going to be a, a, a huge Cork win on, on Sunday, but hopefully it's going to be a great game, like we said, Cora. Thank you so much for taking time out to chat to us. Um, enjoy the next couple of days of quarantine. Have a great Christmas over and best of luck in the new season. No bother, Kieran. Thanks for having me on. And we're joined now by LGFA journalist of the year, Ger McCarthy. Ger, we just heard there, of course, Staunton, who hesitantly gave a vote for Dublin to win Sunday's final. Now I want you to make a case why Cork can and will win Sunday's final. Um, well, you know, I, I don't want to be arguing with Cork, Staunton, of all people or footballers, but um, I, I actually think, uh, and I, I know I genuinely believe, Kieran, from, from watching the Cork team this year, 
in the most unusual of years. They have a real chance, a real chance of beating Dublin uh, this weekend. And that's without the red and white rose-tinted glasses on, to be absolutely honest. Well, the, the first thing that strikes me, and I've, I mentioned it in a column in this week's edition, uh, when we're, we, we're, we're analysing and looking ahead to the All-Ireland final in this week's Southern Star, um, Dublin have only played three games in the championship. And you might say, so what? Well, in previous campaigns, this Dublin team, like all great teams of their era, get better with every game. They get better with the more matches they play. They try things out. They get more used to one another. They're a very, very experienced core as it, as it is. And I think the fact that they've only played three championship matches, and I think the fact that Armagh pushed them, and Donegal pushed them as well. People forget Donegal really did push them. The only kind of gimme game they got, and they did very well with, with respect, was against Waterford, where they, they, they ran away with a big score uh, on that occasion. I think that offers hope for Ify Fitzgerald, and I think it offers hope for the Cork team, because if the All-Ireland champions uh, for the last three years um, have only played three championship matches, I know Cork are the same. I know most teams at, uh, themselves in Cork are the same in the terms of the number of games and the number of minutes under the belt. But, I, you know, you make mistakes in these games. There's rustiness involved. And you don't, unfortunately, with the way the championship has gone, have an opportunity later in a longer campaign to correct those errors. So I think Mick Bowen has seen things and mistakes that Cork have made, which we can talk about. But definitely Efi and Paddy O'Shea and that backroom team will have noted mistakes, um, maybe chinks in the armour that wouldn't normally be there. And I think because Cork have gotten better, as Dublin have gotten better with each of their matches, I think the fact that this is only their fourth championship game so late in the year gives Cork an even better chance. You've seen Cork's progress through this championship from that first game against Kerry down Tralee to the win against Cavan and Burr and obviously to the All-Ireland, All-Ireland semi-final against Galway in Croke Park. And you said before in the podcast, Joe, you've seen an improvement in, in, in this Cork team. What stood out to you the most along those three games from looking at this Cork team in that first game in Tralee to where they were when they beat Galway in Croke Park? Add three things, very, very straightforward. Number one, defence. They are they have tightened up in the back, the back six. Uh, Roisin Phelan from the St. Richard's Club and originally from Ada is back this year. She missed last year. She's the full back now and she has been solid as a rock, uh, pardon the cliche, in that position. And what her return has done is also allowed uh, Hannah Looney to go into midfield alongside uh, Mauro Callan from Morn Abbey. And those two have been very, very rock, rock steady, very solid. Uh, consistent I think and that back eight has worked very very well and gotten better as the championship has gone on the half back line that Cork possess at the moment Ashley Hutchings in there at centre back from Formoy is enjoying her, one of her best seasons in a Cork jersey and look who's either side of her our own Melissa Duggan from West Cork and Donnie's who's enjoying an all-star season so far getting better with every game popping up with a goal against Galway and on the opposite side you have the breakout star of the Cork team for 2020 uh, just out of minor as well. That's McCroom's Erica O'Shea, who is playing like she's been involved for 10, 10 years. She's really she's really pushed on this year as well. So the defence has gotten better. Secondly, what they've also done with Cork this year, the work rate of the front six has been hugely impressive. Moving Kinsale's Orla Finn out to the half-forward line has worked a treat because she's seeing more of the ball, she's getting involved more, and she's slowly improved over the three games, which uh, we have an interview as well this week in the Star with her, and she talks about that but also her free-taking. And she mentions the fact that when she was in, in the corner forward in previous years with Cork, that sometimes the ball wouldn't come in as much or the game might tend to pass her by. Not this year. And we even saw that in the semi-final over Galway. She was back in the corner position along with Saoirse Noonan at one stage. 
blocking uh, her, her marker and setting off an, uh, setting up another attack. And it's rare that you would see forwards of that ability so far back, but up in there. And I suppose the final thing uh, for me as well, point three is the team is settled. It is settled 15 that have definitely, it's very, very hard to pick the 30, as E.P. Fitzgerald has consistently pointed out. There's 38 to choose from, but to pick the 30 has proven very, very hard. But the 15 that he's picked over the last couple of games, especially the last two games against Cavan, where he tried things out and then settled on his team against Galway, not alone have they a settled team, they also have impact substitute, which is the final point coming off the bench. If you can call on the likes of Libby Coppinger, Maeve Cahalan, Orla Farmer to come in, they are players that can come in and make an impact, not to mention Derek Coyley from Valley Rovers. And that's the big difference with Cork, and it's why I give them a real chance of beating Dublin this weekend, Kieran. Not alone have they got a settled team, not alone have they got a set pattern and know what they're doing, even though it's only been four games. They have, much like Dublin, a panel of 30 players and five subs who don't just come on to complement the 15 during the game, but five subs that can actually change the course of the game. That, that's a great point, George, just about the impact Cork have off the bench. And I haven't even mentioned Neve Cotter, who hasn't even featured in any of the games so far, and she's been instrumental for Cork over the last couple of years. And you're right there, Libby Coppinger, the form forward in the Cork Ladies County Championship with injury kind of struck her at, at the wrong time. So that impact off the bench, like you said there, that can make a real, real difference on Sunday. Yeah, and it's one of the key things about the final. It's going to be a game of chess between two managers. Great respect between Mick Vaughan and Ify Fitzgerald. They know each other very, very well down through the years. But what, what I've been thinking about most about this final is we kind of know the Dublin team. We know Noel Healy, Carlo Rowe, Lindsay Davy, all these all-stars, these fantastic footballers. We know they're going to be there. We don't necessarily know where they might start. So what's different? What do you have to do in a final to do something different? What chess move can you execute that the other and the opposition won't expect? And I've mentioned Neve Cotter, and you were right to mention her there as well. She's somebody that's been battling with an injury, but she is a potential wild card, if you want, for better terms, um, that could be sprung maybe in midfield, perhaps even in a forward line, even around the full forward line. Who knows? And she's somebody that Dublin haven't seen this year, so they wouldn't necessarily know what to expect. But it's the same for Cork. Dublin have so much experience in this team. I mean, they've won the last three. They've contested the last six. This is their seventh All-Ireland in a row. So uh, that, that tells you the quality that Cork are facing. But this Cork team is maturing. Darren O'Sullivan, Sir Shanunian, Anya Terry O'Sullivan, one of the best, if not the best, full forward lines in the country. Not necessarily just for scoring, but for work rate and for effort and for making the space that allows the likes of Melissa Duggan, Ashling Hutchings, Eric O'Shea to bomb forward. It allows Orla Finn to drift into the game and pick off scores. Dublin wouldn't have come across that as much in their previous matches. Donegal did it to a certain extent when they played him. And Armagh with Amy Mackin got in quite a number of times in behind that full back line and could have had a few more scores. That gives me hope and I would imagine it would give uh, Evie Fitzgerald and Cork hope. But the likes of Niamh Cotter may well be sprung, we don't know. And I think it's that kind of wildcard option that E.P. Fitzgerald has this year, that he's not reliant on the 15 and maybe one or two subs. He has so many options off the bench. And one or two players, like Libby Coppinger, as you mentioned, that was her first appearance against Galway when she came on as sub. And she's been involved, obviously, with the Camogie. So there are options. There are potential differences and changes of tactics and possibly of formation as the game goes on. It's going to be fascinating because it's the two best teams in the country and the two strongest squads going toe-to-toe. And I hope... And I actually, I think it will be an absolute humdinger. I'm going to ask you to put your reputation on the line, Ger. I want you to call some of this final. 
I think I think Cork are going to do it, but I think Cork are going to do it just just about do it. And here's the reason why. And I've been thinking a lot about it. Um, obviously, when you're from Cork, you would like to see, you'd love to see them win it. We've we've covered, we've covered them in the club championships as well, so we know what an extraordinary year it's been for a lot of the players involved, both from West Cork, from Warren Abbey, and all the players that make up that panel. The one reason, there's a couple of reasons I think Cork are going to win it. I think they have huge respect for Dublin, massive respect. There's a real you know, sometimes it's kind of you hear in the lead up to finals, it can be a bit of pandering. But no, there's a genuine respect between the two sets of players, which uh, in, the, in this week's star as well, we hear from Mick Bowen and we hear from Noel Healy, who played with Morn Abbey and actually um, spoke very highly of the Cork Club Championship, including West Cork, who she believes have a place and should remain in the Cork Senior Championship. But Cork respect Dublin, but they don't fear them. And the other thing is from talking to the players over the last two weeks and the build up to it, they are ready. They are focused. They want this. Now you say, so what? Who doesn't go into an all Ireland final? But I think Cork have, have missed out on the Brendan Martin Cup for too long. Darren O'Sullivan, who's captain this year, has grown into that role. She's injury-free. She's flying it around the pitch. Saoirse Noonan, when she's not knocking in the goals for Cork City, is, is doing fantastic work up front, even when she's not scoring. Same for Anya Terry, injury-free, coming into a final. You've got two pillars in the middle of the park who are the real plus points, I think, for Ify Fitzgerald this year. Cannon Looney, Morrow Cannon from Warren Abbey. And that's before we start talking about that half-back line and before we start talking about Melissa Duggan and Erica O'Shea. They're going to be absolutely pivotal to the outcome. It will boil down to who can hold, who, who gains, whoever gains, whoever gains the most possession between the two 45s will win this. But I think Cork have gotten better and better. For, they played for a half against Kerry, three quarters of the game against Cavan and the full 60, over nearly 70 the last day uh, against Galway. They're ready and they respect Dublin, but I think with Ify Fitzgerald, Paddy O'Shea, they know what's coming and they have a good idea of what they need to do and where they need to get to. And Kieran, the last point, why I think Cork will win this, I've been fortunate enough to see glimpses of their training sessions over the past couple of weeks. And some of the, not alone the, the AVB game, which people talk about intensity, but even the drills. And I know Dublin are doing the same. This Cork team is ready. It's ready and it's primed. And I think considering the year that they've had, what they've experienced, I know it's a mammoth task. It's a four-in-a-row chase in Dublin, but I think Cork will do it, but only just. Sounds good, Joe. So, Kieran, that's one vote for Dublin from the great Cork Daunton and one from Cork from Joe McCarthy. So I'm going to come to you to try to break the deadlock, deadlock even. What's your own prediction? No surprise here, Jack, but I'm going for a Cork win. Um, I think what's been impressive about this Cork team is they're improving game after game after game. And, and we've said it a couple of times, that semi-final for Rory with the, the venue and the throwing and all that. But what people forgot is that Cork beat a very good uh, Galway team by 10 points. Um, so they're a team that's improved from the first game against Kerry to their win against Kevin to the game against Galway. So they're trending upwards and and... There is more to come from them. There's there's a lot more to come from this Cork team. And, and I just want to pick up what Cora Staunton said as well, that she feels the Dublin attack is very individual this year and she doesn't think it's clicked as well as it has in previous years. When you add in those couple of factors and the fact that it's also an empty Crow Park on Sunday, and, um, and as Cora mentioned too, she feels that would play into Cork's hands because you can imagine there's a couple of young Cork players um, who'll be playing in their first final this Sunday. I'm thinking of the Kylies, I'm thinking of young Eric O'Shea from the crew who's been one of the breakout stars for the Cork ladies team. 
all of a sudden, instead of having 55,000 like we in the All-Ireland final last year, there's going to be no one there. So hopefully it will kind of ease some of the pressure on, on, this, on this young Cork team. But I just think Cork have more room for improvement. And I'm looking at that full forward line. You look at Anya, Terry O'Sullivan, Darren, Searsha Noonan, even further out, Kira O'Sullivan or the Finn. Like their scores. There's a lot of scoring potential in this Cork team. And the bench is so important here too. Libby Cobbinger was the form forward in Cork Ladies football during the county championship. She got injured, hurt her ankle, and that ruled her out of a couple of games. But she's someone that they can bring on. Um, Neve Cotter hasn't seen any game time this year. She can come on. Saibo Larry can sail. So I think Cork have a very strong bench this year. And it's worth noting too that Cork are without Laura Manning, Skibbereen, who's injured, Marie Ambrose, who's out, and Eva Skelly, who's not involved this year. So I think one of the big silver linings for Cork this year is Ify Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald has definitely strengthened the Cork panel. I think they're in a good place, Jack. And I think the Brendan Martin Cup will be coming back to Cork on Sunday evening. Great stuff, Dan. That's two votes for Cork from our panellists today, just the one from Dublin. But that one does carry a lot more weight, I'm going to say, than your own and yours prediction, because it is the legendary Mayo footballer, Cora Staunton. But look, we won't go well too much longer on that. Coming up after the break, we're going to preview what's to come in this week's Southern Star Sports section. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West Cork. Welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast. And before we wrap up this week's edition, Kieran, there's a very special eight-page preview of Sunday's All-Ireland Final in this week's Southern Star Sports section. What can readers expect in this bumper big game preview? Yeah, like you said, Jack, eight pages dedicated to the to the final on Sunday, and there's a lot of reading in it. So there's, there's, there's loads for our readers to sink their teeth into. I have a two-page special on Martina O'Brien, the Banascarti goalkeeper, who will be between the posts for Cork on Sunday. She's there since 2013. So it's, it's a nice deep dive into Martina's career, and that's well worth the read. We have plenty of other interviews, too. I cut up with Libby Coppinger to chat about, I suppose, her, her form or her, her injury, to be more precise, um, she was coming off a great county championship, like I said earlier. Did she hurt her ankle? Actually rolled it twice. But now she's back. She came on as a sub against Galway in the semi-final. And she's told me she's ready to, ready when she is called on this Sunday. We also have interviews with Orla Finn, Evie Fitzgerald, Kira O'Sullivan, Cora Staunton, Laura O'Mahony, um, Ger McCarthy, the LGFA Journalist of the Year, as he likes to remind me constantly. And he's well-deserved that accolade. He has a very good analytical piece on the game, Jack. He's breaking down 10 different areas that Cork can focus on to win the game. So it's really, really good stuff by Ger there. And Ger also caught up with the Dublin camp and he got Noel Healy's thoughts on the game as well as Dublin manager Mick Bohan. So just on the ladies' football game alone, as you can see, there's lots going on. And in the background, that's my little one is after putting on a, a Christmas toy. But that's uh, it's, it's, it's that season, isn't it, Jack? Um but, but also, we have rugby special this week. Um, Gavin Coombs, obviously, is oh, one second there. It's okay. It's adding a nice atmosphere to our Christmas All-Ireland final special. So you were saying here that there's also some rugby coverage in this week's paper following Gavin Coombs' impressive European performance for Munster the other night. Yeah, Gavin Coombs on his European debut scored a try for Munster. And it was great to see Josh Witchley make his European debut and Fanine Witchley also um, play. So that was three... West Cork men on the Munster team as well as that we have an interview with the incoming Cork GA chairman Mark Sheehan Dennis Hurley caught up with him 
um, the board coming chairman Michael Brennan has issued a warning to, to the members of board coming here and that if they're caught illegal boating over the festive period that they will be suspended so that's a very strong line from the board coming chairman but it's probably probably a necessary one too Jack because Road bowling is usually traditionally very, very busy over the Christmas period. But with the guidelines at the moment, no road bowling is allowed. So board coming are going to come down hard at any of their members that are caught, um, caught breaking the rules over the festive period. So there's loads going on in this Thursday Southern Star um, in shops and online from Thursday morning. Absolutely. And as Kieran mentioned, the Southern Star is also available via digital edition from less than two euro per week when you subscribe just go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e paper but anyway thanks for listening to the star sport podcast this week we'll be back at the same time next week i think i hope we don't really know <laughs> it's christmas week you know things are up in the air but we'll be back at some stage next week anyway if you enjoy these shows please make sure to rate review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Slán Tomlin.